we know that we are compelled by Christ to move beyond just these four walls as a church. And we want to be a church that continues to look beyond our walls with the love of Jesus to bless the socks off this community. And as a church, we feel led to be a church that is for the good of our city. I'm Bill Stevens. I'm the lead pastor here at Ascent. It is super great to have you guys here. You know, like John said, man, we have braved it to get here today. I don't know how many of your backs are hurting for today. I mean, I'm 54. I pull a muscle when I brush my teeth. And so, so when it comes to like shovel and that kind of snow, I, I mean, I've got, this, I've got the stool up here because the back's feeling like it's about to go out. It's a mess out there. It's a mess in here, you guys. The construction, I, I mean, it is so fun that it's happening and, and, it, and it comes with this real excitement for what's about to happen and what's happening down the road, but it also comes with some anxiousness too because, you know, there, you, you go back there and you look at it. I went back there early this morning just to see where they're at and I'm just going, there's some anxious about change. I'm thinking, man, all those rooms that we painted 10 years ago and changing that cigarette cage into a kid's classroom was a really cool thing to do. And, and, uh, and, but, but they're changing it, but they're changing it to permanent place that we can have church for the next decades. I, I, I grabbed this, you guys. This is a piece of the concrete that they've cut out because they're cutting out concrete right now so that we can put plumbing in and electrical stuff in on the ground instead of having uh, uh, extension cords running through all the ceilings. So that's the permanent part that we're, we're growing into, and that's what's exciting. But it's also, we're also anxious about it. We're anxious about the waiting on it and how long will it be. And I know from our rebuilding our home that you, you feel like something's going to happen and then it's a month later before it does. We don't know what interruptions we're going to be facing when it comes to this, uh, this build. But, and so there's some anxiousness around that, but, but there's an excitement around it on what God is doing there. There's an anxious around the finances with it. We love it that we own our own space now and that that's fully paid off. But then we got we to gotta build this out and that's going to cost money and we're going to do a building campaign and we, all of that is part of, of, of doing this. So we're both excited about it, but also anxious about it. And I've been really convicted lately to think through that Philippians passage, to be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and petition, let your requests be known to God and he will guard our hearts and minds in it. And so... so we need to, I want to ask you guys in this season, let's be, pray, let's be people of prayer that will just throw it out there to the Lord and just go, God, this is, we're just going to pray that you would, you would do what you will do in these next months and eventually years and years ahead for Ascent Church. So, so let's, let's begin this morning by praying and then we're going to dig into some stuff today, okay? So God, uh, we're gonna, we bring this to you. We bring in all of the excitement around what's coming up and the anxiousness around what's coming up. The changes, the, the, the finances with it all, the, 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 the waiting that we have. You have been such a faithful God and you have met us for 10 years as a church and you've had your hand of favor and blessing on this place. And, and so we will, we will pray with great confidence that in this season, um, you're with us 
And you've got some great things in store for us. God, I pray for today, chance for us to sit in your word, a chance for us to dig in together, for us to grow more and more like your son. I pray that that would happen this morning uh, through the, through, as we look at your word. It's in your name we pray. Amen. All right. All right, well, let me, I want to let you in on a little bit of where I've been over these last couple of weeks. I've been spending some time in, in a couple of very intense days in Jesus' life, okay? So, so there were, of all the different days that Jesus had, there, was, there were these moments where you're just going, man, that much happened in the, that 48 hours or 24 hours? This day was one of those days, it started with, with, with horrible news. It started with the news that John the Baptist had been killed. Herod had killed John the Baptist. And so, and, and, and so that word got back to Jesus. When it got back to Jesus, he was, he, you, could, you can see it. He was, he was distraught about it. He wanted to go spend some time on his own. He's going, I got to get away from everybody else. This was him starting to process his grief in the midst of hearing that his cousin and someone he's known since birth had died. And, and so, so he, he presses away by himself. He gets into a boat and he wants to go not across the entire Sea of Galilee. You guys, the Sea of Galilee is huge. It, it's just a portion of the Sea of Galilee that he goes, gets in the boat and crosses to get to a, a, a part of the land that he can then spend some time on his own. He gets, he gets going in that, in, in, across the water and, and the people see him and they follow along on the shore. And when he lands, a big group of people are there to meet him when he lands. Now, these aren't people that are there to go, oh, Jesus, you just want to walk with you in your grief. These are people that needed something from him. They had heard that he, was, he, had, he had done miracles and a lot of them wanted to be healed or had a family member that wanted to be healed. And so they're all following him to get something from him, okay? Now, I don't know how you would respond if you need some time off on your own and then somebody else is interrupting you with something that they want. Uh, for me, I, uh, that wouldn't be a pleasant encounter. But for, for Jesus, he meets these people and, he's, and he, it's surprising how he responds. Listen to how, listen to how it says. It says this. When Jesus heard what had happened about John the Baptist, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. When Jesus landed and saw the large crowd, he had compassion on them and he healed their sick. He had compassion on these people that were in a sense bothering him if we want to look at it the way we would look at it. And he had compassion on them. Now, this next part is so fascinating, you guys. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John set out to write about the life of Jesus. They, they, some of them included some things, some miracles, and some of them didn't. And so, so like, like the wedding in Cana, a couple of them wrote about the wedding in Cana where Jesus changed water into wine, but not all of them did. Some of them wrote about Lazarus being raised from the dead, but not all of them did. But this next miracle, all four of them wrote about it. And they all gave little different, different details in it. Matthew says this, as evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. They've been there all day long and they're getting hangry. And so they're going, man, we got to get these guys some food. Now we jump over to John because John gives some specifics about the next, this next piece and the people that were involved. John says, Philip answered him. It would take more than half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite 
to have one bite, it's going to cost a half a year's wages. Come on, we can't do that. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up and he says, here's a boy with, with, with five small barley loaves and two small fish. But how far will that go again with so many? See, you, you, you think about that from the, from the perspective of the boy that's, that's there. He's probably carrying his groceries. The family probably sent him to the market to go buy some bread, buy some fish, and bring it back. We know as a family that probably didn't have very much money because he's buying barley bread. The, 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 the rich or the wealthy, they, they were the ones that were eating bread made from flour. And so the ones that were eating from barley, those are ones that didn't have very much money. The, the fish were probably pickled fish or, or salted fish because, because there, there's no refrigeration. And you could picture a family saying, here's the, the, the week's allotment for, for some food. And so will you go to the market and get this precious food? So he comes back with that and he's carrying that. He, and Andrew finds him and says, well, here's something. This kid's got some food. And so he brings that to Jesus. Look at what Jesus says. He says, have the people sit down. There were plenty of grass in that place and they sat down. About 5,000 men were there. 5,000. Now, theologians, back then, uh, the culture was you only counted the men, but theologians believed that it was far more than 5,000. That with the women and children involved, there was probably more between 10 and 20,000 people that were all in this kind of natural amphitheater near the Sea of Galilee that were, had gathered so, so Jesus says, sit him down. And, and he even in one of the other uh, uh, books of the Bible says that he, they split him up into fifties and hundreds. And then Jesus took the loaves, gave thanks and distributed those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. Now, sometimes I know some of you have heard this story a bunch of times and some of you have gone, okay, yeah, this is the feeding of the 5,000. Come on, put this in, in, in perspective. I don't know how many of you guys have been to ball arena. But I, I just went with my daughter to an abs game. This would have been like us stopping at Costco beforehand and buying five hot dogs. And then me telling Abby on our way to the, to the, to the abs game, we're going to feed everyone at Ball Arena with these five hot dogs. And they're going to have plenty. So much they're going to be full. And Abby, you'll have leftovers. That's what he just did right here, you guys. That's what he did. When they all had enough to eat... He said to his disciples, gather the pieces that are left over. Let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with those pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. You guys, why did he do 12? I think he did 12 baskets left over because he wanted each one of those disciples to feel it. For them to remember what this was like to feed all of those people and then to hold a basket of leftovers and go, he did this. It was that kind of abundance that he, that he just gave for these people. And then here's what happened. When he finished that, now remember, Jesus still haven't, hasn't gone off to spend time on his own. And so he still wanted to do that. So it said he left again to a solitary place on the mountainside. But as he left to that mountainside, the winds and the waves started crashing. The disciples decided to go out on the boat before that happened. And so they're out there on the boat. The winds and waves happen. Jesus then goes back down off the mountainside, interrupted again, and walks on the water out to the boat. This is when he calls Peter out on the water. He calls him out on the water. 
Peter sinks. He pulls him back out, gets into the boat, tells his disciples, man, you got to trust me. Don't you remember what I just did for all those people? Come on, you got to trust me. And they get to the, to the other side of the, of, of the Sea of Galilee. When they get there, what's there? More people. Jesus still interrupted. And he gets to, and there's a bunch of people that are there, some that were all, had continued to follow him, some new ones that gathered. And he says this, he says, Jesus called his disciples and said, I have compassion for these people. They have already been with me three days and have nothing to eat. I don't want to send them away hungry or they may collapse on the way. And what happens, you guys, this is where it almost becomes comedy. It's almost like, it's almost like the disciples are going, uh, Jesus, we got seven loaves instead of five. And we've got a few fish instead of two. And we have 4,000 men, and so about 10,000 people instead of 15 to 20. What are we going to do? And Jesus said, we're going to feed them. And he feeds another group of people with the, with the, with the loaves and the fish. So, so in the midst of this horrible start to a day and this grief that Jesus is going through and all the stuff, his response was compassion. There's something about that. There's something about his character that we need to pull. Because as, as, as God is making us more and more like Christ, that's the sanctifying process that he's working on with each one of us. As he's doing that, man, we got to recognize what are the character traits that, that Jesus has that is, is starting to happen or should be happening in our life. So let's look at this thing. Compassion in the midst of whatever is going on to whoever is, is out there, he responds with compassion. Now that word is, is a, a really cool Greek word. It's called splagnizomai, okay? Uh, it, it's, I want you guys, in fact, I want you to just say it just because it's, it's cool to say a really long Greek word that you'd know, splagnizomai, okay? One, two, three. Splagnizomai, okay? If you, it's splag, okay? Knee, just go to your knees, zo down to your feet, and, and, and my, okay? Splagnizomai, okay? That's, 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 the, that's the way to remember it, okay? Splagnizomai, listen to this. The first part of that word, splagna, it means internal organs, okay? So splagnizomai literally means to be moved so deeply by something that you feel that it's in the pit of your stomach. It's, you're moved that deeply, Splagnizomai is this special combination of love and compassion. It's far more than pity. See, when Jesus fed the 5,000, he didn't just pity them because they didn't have enough to eat. He was feeling a deep, deep compassion, a deep, deep feeling for each person that was around him. And so he fed them. It was a combination of love and compassion. It was far more than pity. This emotion moves us so completely that we can physically feel it and we are compelled to respond. It's a strong word about a strong response. There's nothing subtle or uncertain about it. That's splagnizomai. And that's what Jesus was doing. And he was recognizing that with every person that was around him. The deep, deep feeling of love and compassion for each one of them. It's what I would call a generous love. He had a, this abounding love and it was a generous love that he wanted to share with everybody else. That's the word I've been sitting in is that splagnizomai and that generous, this generous love. But if I'm going to get into a generous love, I got to talk about that word generous and generosity because 
we tend to compartmentalize it and push it on a different way. And, and Jesus wants it to be part of our character. But we, we, we say, no, here's how we do it. Here's, here's what I was thinking. We think of generosity as a noun, and that's it. This is my generosity. This is my generosity. In fact, I'm going to put that here. It, 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 we, we, we pull out our generosity box, okay? And so we, this is the way most of us operate. We, we pull out... These lids are horrible. There we go. We pull out the generosity box as our noun. This is our generosity. And so when we approach time, time in our life, it's precious. And we don't have much of it. And we try to give it to our, to our work. And we try to give it to our family. And whatever is left of that time, maybe that's when we'll invest that in, in our marriage and going on a date. Maybe we'll invest that in coaching, in coaching our kid. But there's not very much of that what's left. And so we'll put that into the box, but we're going, it's not much there, but this is my box of generosity. I'll put my time in there and, and whatever's in there, not very much, I'll try to give away. We do that with our money, where none of us make enough. We're all wishing we had more. We have our priorities for where we set it. And then whatever is left, we'll go, okay, there's not much here, but I'm going to put it in to my box of generosity, to my noun generosity. I'm going to put it in there. And, and we feel guilty that there's not enough. And we feel we wish there was more. And, and, and we're going, okay, so I'm going to give this away, but there's not much in there. It's not just those things. It's things like our patience. You know, we have a very limited patience at times. And, and so you just go, with whatever I got left, I'll try to put it in there, but it's not very much. See, that's our, that's our box of generosity. And what happens from that is then when we give it out, we give it out, but it's, it's operating from a position of scarcity. And none of us are very good from a position of scarcity. We will give it out, but we'll give it out with strings attached to it because there's not much in there. And so darn it, if I'm going to give you my time, it better darn well be worth it because there's, it is scarce. And so make this be worth it. Have you ever volunteered for something and they just weren't ready for you? And so they, so, so you get there and you're going, man, this is just a waste of my time. This isn't what I thought was going to happen. Come on. I have got a precious amount here in my generosity box of time. And, and now I'm giving it and you're not ready for it. That's operating from that position of scarcity. You think about that with money. This is why most of us, when we give, as much as we fight it, there's strings attached. You go, okay, I'm going to give, but darn it. I wish there was more. I want there to be more. This is all I've got. And so if I'm going to do it, it better be good. It better be worth it. It better do something. We're going to do this building campaign down the way and strings attached. It's okay, but so long as you name those bathrooms after me, you know, or at least make it a Taj Mahal, Taj Mahal which by the way, that is the one thing I want to just go all elaborate on is I just want really cool bathrooms, okay? But you will... You'll give it, but you'll give it with a string attached to it. That's, that's, it's our human nature of living in scarcity. You know, whatever we're giving away. Jesus doesn't look at it like a noun and like a, this compartmentalized is just something else. And that's your generosity. 
Jesus sees it more like an adjective or an adverb that's describing something greater. See, his love for us is so abundant and he just wants that, to, he wants to give out generously. See, he looks at it like an adverb and just go, love is the verb and the adverb that describes it is generously love. He wants to look at it like an adjective to just go, it's a generous love. It describes this abundant love that I have for people so deep that I feel it in the, in the marrow of my bones and I can't wait to give that out. That is a generous love. And that's the way Jesus wants to approach it. I want you to think about it this way. When I was in college, um, my mom used to, I'd go home to Spokane. Spokane's 270 miles from Seattle. We went to the University of Washington. When my brothers and I would go home to Spokane, my mom would take us to Costco. We did these Costco runs. And she'd take us to Costco, let us load up on, the, on whatever we wanted, and then we brought it back to our dorms or brought it back to our apartments. And we just, for a, it was supposed to have lasted a couple of months, it lasted about a week, you know, and you just jammed your, your, your cupboards with, with food. It was our Costco run. Well, since then, we have adopted that same principle with our kids. When Maggie went to Boston, you know, we did a Costco run when we got to Boston to fill her cupboards and when we got there. When, we, when, uh, when Ella and Justice went up to Spokane and, and with Allie, their daughter, and when, uh, when Jack and Em went to Richland, each time we see them, we do a Costco run and we just tell them, load up the stuff. Now listen, if we were operating from a position of scarcity, and if this was part of our generosity box, that I'm gonna, okay, what I've got in there, here's what I'm gonna try to give to you guys, and here's what I'm gonna try. If it was part of that, then man, everything they're putting into that, into that basket at Costco, I'd be looking at going, are you sure you need that? Are you sure you need 64 servings of Eggo waffles? Are you sure you need all those? And you better darn well eat them all. That's the way I would have operated. But it's not. It's out of this, I have such an abundant love for my kids that it's a generous love that says, man, you put whatever you want in there. Because this isn't about that stuff. This is just about my love for you guys. And one way that I'm going to describe that love is I want it to be a generous, a generous love. Now that's my kids what about you guys though? Do I love you like I love my kids? I mean, Ben, I love you, man. For 10 years, you've been part of this, but do I love you like I love my kids or my grandkids? I mean, you guys, my grandkids, check this out. I just had my kids just send a little video to us. Just say whatever you want about just anything you want to say. These are my grandkids. deal, you guys. I mean, it's the real deal. I love those guys and I love them more than I love you, Ben. I'm sorry. I do. I love them. <laughs> you, are you going to say you love your 10 grandkids more than you love me? Uh, I'm going to fix that in a second. Uh, 
I love, do I love them? Do I love them more than I love my neighbors? Absolutely. Do I love them more than I love my enemies? Of course. But here's what Jesus is calling us to do. He wants us to love. He's given us an abundance of love, not a scarcity of love, not a, not a portion of love that we put in a box of scarcity. He, he wants, he has an abundance of love that he's given us. And he's saying, now, be generous with that. And not just with the people that you love, but even your enemies. Be generous with this abundance that I've given you. That's, that's, what, that's what he's getting at with what we're reading. Look, at generosity is not a compartmentalized thing that happens when you have enough. It's a character trait that becomes, becomes part of who we are. It's, it's not a calculation out of scarcity. It's response out of abundance. And don't get this mixed up as just a, this is all, it's a, just about money. Or it's just about time. And this is a, it's a character thing. It's about all of it. I'll never forget this moment. Jackie and I, you know, we had a Jack and M and the kids, we had them live at our house before they moved up to Washington. And, and so they lived with us for a, a season, you know. And, and I tell you what, man, I forgot how much stuff parents of little kids have. They have a ton of stuff. And that stuff in a small house, in the house that we were living in before it burned down, in that small house, man, that stuff was just coming out of the walls, the toys and everything. It was just so much stuff and, and the diapers and the, and, the, and, the, and the pluggies and the bottles and, and all the, 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 the Cheerio bowls. And, and then you had to do the dishes and there were so many dishes and cleaning the bib and the Cheerios that have just gotten all soggy in the bib. It's just disgusting. And when you're a parent, it's it's like, well, I just got to do it. But as a grandparent, it's like, I don't want to do this part, you know? And it's just all over all that stuff. Financially, it was more expensive because we didn't want them to have to pay for stuff. So we were buying everything. And it was a lot. And there was a point where for me, I'm getting older and I get a little bit more agitated about things like that. One night I'm complaining to Jackie and we get to bed and I'm just going, Jackie, gosh, it's so much. And I'd never forget what she said. She said, Bill, I've got this abundance of grace. And he, she said, I want this season, I want to be generous with grace. And, and I'm going, that's a strange way to put it, generous with grace. But that's exactly what we're talking about. It's a, it's a character. It's not a, it's not a thing, generosity. It's generous grace. It's an adjective and it's an adverb that describes, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share my grace generously in a season where these guys need that. That's what we're talking about, you guys. It's all of it. It's encompassing all the different parts of our life. I'm talking about, I'm talking about when, you, when, when you're in conversation, are you generously li listening in conversation? Because I have a generous love, I'm gonna generously listen. Are we, are we uh, generously patient? Are we generously understanding? Do we have a, a generous understanding for somebody else? You guys, we're coming up to another extremely volatile political season. It's going to get messy. And in 16 and in 20, we weren't generously understanding. Is it possible that we can learn from that 
And we start to see it not from a position of scarcity, but from a position of, of abundant love and say, I'm going to have more, I want to have more understanding. And I want to enter into this with generous understanding. Even with pain, you guys, even if with the pain you've got, can we be generous with our pain? You, you might have gone through a divorce and you've you struggled through that and you're going, at this point, you're going, man, this is not the story that I wanted written about my life. This is not the, the love story that I thought I was going to have when I was 18 thinking ahead. And now I've gone through that pain, but you've started to, to, to come out the other side of going, okay, but I'm starting to see a new hope. And you see somebody else going through the, the struggle of their divorce and, you're, and you're, you're seeing their pain. Can we be generous with our pain and say, well, I, 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 I don't know if I want to or they'd want to hear from me, but would you have wanted to hear from somebody? Yeah, so maybe step into that because I want to be generous with the love that God has given me. And I want, to, I want to have somebody else get to experience that as well. I'm talking about being generous with our words, to say words like, I forgive you and I was wrong. We don't say those words out of scarcity. We can only say those words out of abundance. This is what God did for us from the very beginning. In the, in the, at the, in the very beginning of creation, he created the, the heavens and the earth and land and plants and water and animals. And with each one of them, he said, it was good. It was good. And then he handed the keys over to his people because he loved his people so much. He said, it's good. And now I'm giving it to you. And even when his people turned their back on him, when we turned our back on God, he's still going, I'm still giving this to you because I have a generous love for you. And the best was still yet to come because then he gives us his son. And he says, I love you so much that I'm going to give you my son. And you talk about good. My son is good. I thought about this last week when, I was, when we were taking communion because we take communion every once in a while in here. And I was back in one of those back tables and the, and the bread came to me. I got the, a piece of bread and the, and the juice. And I sat there with that bread and I thought, can you imagine if Jesus would have given out of scarcity? Can you imagine if he would have gone, yeah, I, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna die on this cross, but man, it better darn well be worth it. And you better be worth it. If that's the way he would have operated, he would have never done it for me. Never done it for me. Not with the messed up stuff in me. He'd have never done it for me. I held on to that cup a, long, a little longer last week. Because I'm going, his, his blood dripped for me. And, and he went through that pain. And if you'd have done it out of scarcity, you'd have gone, is this worth it? Is this worth it to go through this pain? And he's going, no, 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 it's... I have such an abundant love. I'm going to be so stinking generous with that love. I'm going all the way to death on the cross because I'm going to have a generous love for my people. That's the way he operated. When we go back to this situation that happened where he fed these people, do we you know what we don't see from any of the four guys that wrote about this? We don't see him separating people out and saying, okay, I want everyone that believes in me to go over here and those that don't go over here. Feed those guys. He said, feed them. Feed them all. Some of them believe in me and some of them don't. Some of them just want something from me and some of them don't. 
Some of them love me and some of them hate me. They hate me. But he didn't sit there with the disciples in a huddle and say, all right, you take these hot dogs and you do not feed those religious leaders. Those guys, because they were there. They were always, wherever there was a miracle, the, the, the religious leaders were there. Don't feed them. They don't deserve it. No, no, no. Jesus just said, feed them all. It's a generous love. Feed them all. And then he did it again. Feed them all. That's what we, we want, splagnizomai. Deep compassion and love to lead us. To lead us to, be, to, being gen, to, to love generously. We want to operate from here and not a position of scarcity. That's what we're looking for. As a church, you guys, if you've been here from the very beginning, you've heard us say over and over again, no strings attached. A generous love, no strings attached. We have wanted to love each person that walks in here in this entire community with no strings attached. And that means that it can't come out of scarcity. And believe me, there have been many times that there's been a lot of scarcity in this place. And we're going, do we, can we do this? And instead we're just going, no, we're just going to lead out of a love that is so abundant that this world needs to know and see it. And so we're going to be generous with that love. When you look back at the Christmas shop, you know, you might go, oh, should I give it? And what are they going to do with it? And, and will they ever come in here to ascent? And, you know, but those are, all, those are all thoughts from a place of scarcity. If it's only out of a generous love, you just do. That little kid gave that food and he gave that food not knowing who all those people were. But I think it was probably out of just this love he had for Jesus. We will do things in this church, in this community that you will sit back and say, was that worth it? And we're gonna say, that's not what we're called to ask. Was it worth it? We're just called to keep loving generously. They didn't ask, is it worth, the disciples had to think it. When they're trying to pass that food out and they see somebody that they know is ripping on Jesus just the last week, they had to think it, is this worth it? I'll give you double portion. I don't wanna give him anything. I know what he was saying about Jesus two days ago. They just gave because they were given out of an abundant love. When you guys give in this church or you guys serve in this church in different places, I don't want you to do it out of a position of scarcity and having to just do it because you're supposed to. I want you to do it because you love the church, because you love the bride of Christ, because you love the vision, because you love little kids, because you love a high schooler. And you're just going, I just love these, that age and I want them to know Jesus' love in the midst of that and give out of that abundance. And even, even with your own purpose in your life, you guys, because you are the church, we are the church. It's, and so, so pray that God would give you a purpose that you can lead with abundant love with. Pray that he might call you to a school 
That's the church reaching to school is when you find a purpose and you go, I'm going to pray and, and that God would lead me to that school and I'd do whatever they would need me to do there because I want to live a generous love. Pray that they would, God would lead you to a prison, to a retirement community, to a coaching position, to a college student, to a mentor relationship. It's splagnizomai. It's out of a deep, deep compassion and abundant love that I'm going to live generously. I can't help it. If you find yourself in a position where you're given out of scarcity, pray for that too. That God would transform your heart and mind. Because here's the deal, you guys. There's a lot of Costco runs that need to be made. There's a lot of people that would be so blessed by a Costco run. And that's going to come not from just a box. It's going to come from a character. And that character Jesus is forming within us, a generous love that he's forming within us. Father, I pray that that, that would be what our church lives by. I pray that, that in our homes, I pray that husbands in our homes would live from a position of a character of generous love and not just the scarcity of I don't have much to give today. I pray that wives, I pray that moms, I pray that dads, I pray that brothers and sisters, friends, workmates, God help us transform our hearts to not from a position of scarcity that says, I don't have very much to give today. But instead says, I got all I have from you. I've got this abundant love that's pouring out. God, I pray that we would live generously with that love. God, put Costco runs in front of us. Put them right in front of us. We want to be people that bless people because we want people to know your love. So help us to live and lead from that place. It's in your name we pray. Amen.